This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Blank Podcast, the podcast where we talk to well-known guests about their lives, their careers, and negotiating those difficult moments on the way. I'm Giles Perry Phillips, and with me in his boom covered, it's Jim Daly. <laughs> Make me sound like I'm on a kids' TV show in the nineties. Like Andy Peters or something. Andy Peters, yeah. Um, it, ha- hello, how are you? How are you? I'm good. I'm feeling good. How are you feeling? Oh, it's nice that you told me how you were feeling before. You <laughs> oh, that's right. Because well, I, 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 I didn't realize I hadn't sort of done that. Yeah, so I got I got my words the wrong way around. But maybe um, we should but, do that. Maybe we should tell people how we are and then ask them how they are. Maybe. Although I yeah. suppose you, you're kind of setting yourself up for a fall, really, because you say, oh, I'm, I'm so good. I'm having such a great time. And then you say, how are you? And then you're like, oh, mm, uh, things aren't yeah, too great. But, yeah, but, you know, you can't lie about how you're feeling. So, you know, it's fine. And actually, people might enjoy that you're you know they might need yeah but the conventions are that we kind of ask the other person first get their answer and then it's a bit weird actually isn't it Mm. hey mate hey hey mate good to see you i'm doing great how are you (laughs) it's a bit it's a bit top heavy yeah that's what i mean yeah (laughs) i'm I'm amazing i mean i guess on the reverse if you say hi how you doing i'm i'm having such a shit day how about you yeah then that sets the tone doesn't it yeah i think that's sort of oh "Oh, what's wrong that you wouldn't in, yeah, the, the other person probably wouldn't even go into how they were because they'd go, "Oh, what's the matter? Are you okay? What's happened?" Yeah, it, to be fair, that is still better than going, "Oh, good to see you. How are you? I'm great." That's a, that's a weirder way around yeah, of doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing terrible. And then just leaving <laughs> that hanging out there. Yeah, that would, that's not good. Anyway, um, I mean, I don't know how other people greet each other, but in answer to your question, I'm I'm okay. Thanks. <laughs> Good, <laughs> good. Well, we're back with another episode, aren't we? Another episode this week. We've got, we've got a very interesting guy on. Well, I mean, a, a legend of comedy, really. Mm. Paul Chowdhury. He's a very experienced stand-up comedian. Um, and a man of first, you know, first British-Asian comedian to sell out Wembley Arena. Arena yeah, 10, amazing. 10,000 yeah. seats. You know, first uh, British-Asian stand-up to host stand-up for the week. So, um, 
yeah he's and a lot of this sort of comes up is his sort of journey uh through stand-up uh through this episode so very interesting guy i will say we probably spend about 50 percent of the episode talking about the queue which by now is not a queue yeah but well at time of recording there was a queue. the queue along the south bank for the uh for the queen's uh, lying in state was a big thing. So we talk a lot about, a lot about, we, it's used as a lot of jumping off points. Yeah. Um, also, I think, um, I quite like that sometimes in podcasts where we have like a thing that we go back to, like a, yeah, like a, a running theme, running theme. What we didn't actually talk about is the fact that as, you know, as a nation, we do like queuing. Like it's something that we enjoyed, actually enjoy doing. Although I think people yeah. also hate queues. Like it's a, it's a <laughs> kind of juxtaposition in that, we queue, we're a queuing nation, but, you know, so there is an element of kind of, that's the convention, talking about conventions earlier with the way we talk to each other, but queuing is a convention in this country, but also we, we moan about queues, don't we, as well? Maybe it's like the only way that we can deal with things. Like when things are, when things are tough, the only thing we need to, we know how to do as Brits, the only way we can get through these tough times is to join a queue. Yeah, because people say, "Oh, the you Brit, yeah, the Brits are, are queuing." You know, we do we queue for everything, but there can't be a free for all everywhere else, surely? No, they must. There must be queues in other places, or do, do people just gather? Maybe they gather a bit, and they're just—it's like a sort of mass. Yeah, because I've never know, noticed that on mass. In other, you know, I've never noticed they're not being queuing, but maybe they're, yeah. We just don't do it as well as we do. You know, we're, we're the best at queuing. Maybe we're polite queuers because we, we, you know, we're, we're quiet queuers. We're polite queuers. Well, we just sort of get on with it, don't we? So, but then moan yeah. about it later. Then moan about it. Yeah, that is another thing we do very well as Brits. It's we like to moan. We like to moan. So, yeah. Where does that come stem that. from? Do you think that sort of this feeling of like like downbeat kind of negativity? Don't know. Cause I don't really have much reason to be like. Is it that, the weather? Because we obviously have in different weather. That's something we talk about a lot, and we moan about. There are places with worse weather. Yeah, Scandinavia. Some of those countries don't have have like half an hour of sunshine in the summer. And that's it. Yeah, it'd but be interesting to is. find out why we are quite a negative nation in that way. And yeah, I just yeah. wondered if there's more kind of anthropological reasons Probably. why we're quite whingy. Moaning. Let's try and get someone on, a guest who maybe knows about that stuff to ask them about. Yeah. Well, yeah, why, why are the Brits moaners? We haven't given Paul a great build-up here. No, no, we're, we're, we we're going to do it now. So gonna... anyway, Paul Chowdhury. <laughs> Poor Paul. He's a legend of comedy, and we just, we've not given him the build-up. Well, we were talking about cues, weren't we? But yes, Paul, yeah, fantastic right. comedian. Um, like you say, very innovative and, and, and done some huge gigs, some huge gigs, and he's obviously touring some new material at the moment. We talked to him about that, his process of writing, and that's really, really interesting. It's always interesting to hear how comedians yeah. come up with new material and stuff. And um, and he talks about his specials and how sometimes you have to slightly self-censor um, in because of different yeah. regions that those yeah, specials that was interesting. Out, which is really yeah. interesting. And having to, like, you know, get enough material so that you can actually have an, yeah. enough for, for a full special. So that was really interesting. But, yeah, great guy to hang out with. And, um, yeah, really enjoyed chatting to him. Yeah, I think we should delve into it. But before we do that, of course, um, there is extra content with Paul, as there is with all our guests, our patron, patron.com slash blank podcast. So do jump on that if you want to hear a bit more from Paul and all our guests. Um, That's it, I think, isn't it? Have I got to mention anything else before we dive in? Well, it'd be nice if people would message us about our episodes. So they can do that on various different platforms. Yeah. Instagram, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Facebook. Um, And the handle is all the same, isn't it? 
<laughs> you asking me like you don't know. I was trying to is tee it, you up, but is it all the same? Is it though? Oh. Is, it? is it? Yes, it is. To do it together at the same time, it's at, at blank, blank pod. Seamless. <laughs> right, let's get into the episode. Poor Paul, we've not given him the build up he deserves. Uh, this is the legend. Uh, of the British comedy scene and global, which, which he does talk about during the episode. Mm. It's the one and only Paul Chowdhury on the Blank Podcast. Paul Chowdhury, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Lovely to see you. Hope you're Good well. Good to see you. Giles and Jim. We normally start at the kind of the beginning which is obviously a good place to start. And um, you grew up in London. Yeah. And obviously the 70s, and you're a 70s child of birth. I think you're probably a few years older than me. A lot more um, older than you, Charles. <laughs> quite a few years older than you. 20, 30 years older than you probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's very kind of you to lie. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, how, how was growing up in, in that period of time in London? Uh, very different to what it is now. Yeah. The internet was much slower then. Yeah. As you said, it was brain cells. Which we <laughs> yeah, 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 it was back in the brain cells days. I'm not sure if you were recording when we had that conversation, but Giles mentioned the Google being brain cells back in uh, your brain, <laughs> making the research happen rather than just Googling something. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that back in the 70s, um, um, I don't know how far I can go with this trip. This is a family-friendly uh, podcast. Isn't it? No, no, it's no, not actually. No, <laughs> no bad Nothing controversial. You could say, well, you can say uh, you can be controversial and you can use bad language. We're, <laughs> we're, we're quite open to those things. Oh, well, all right. Let's take, for example, uh, pedos. Right, right. Okay. right. It's a good place to start. <laughs> <Good> strong start. <laughs> In the seventies, people act like, oh, oh my god, there's so many around. But no, they just weren't outed in the seventies because. The internet wasn't around. So something good about the internet is good and bad, but it's exposed a lot of the depraved human beings that we live amongst. No offence, guys. <laughs> None taken. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean, I'm, am I right in saying that you, you lost your mum at a young age? And I, I know I lost my mum at a young age as well, and how difficult that is and I know like in more recent times you've obviously been quite open about that in your comedy and used comedy as an outlet for it um uh, have you always seen comedy as an outlet for you know the things that you've experienced yourself yeah I think comedy is used as therapy for a lot of us comics and um you can it can help you come to terms with certain things comedy was always used as something more of a conduit that um, you can really, instead of going, it's much cheaper than therapy as well. So if you're thinking <laughs> of going to therapy, try stand up. And if you need to get some stuff for your chest, it's the best way to, <laughs> I'm not saying, uh, obviously I'm not putting down therapists in any way. It's probably beneficial as well, but um, slightly more harsh topics or experiences you've lived through are so raw and they can I tend to, if a friend of mine has been through something quite traumatic, I tend to help them by laughing in their faces. And, um, it, you know, you can 
Well, obviously not about the issue, but you kind of, <laughs> I'm exaggerating yeah. slightly, but um, it, it's just a difficult thing, isn't it? When you do use comedy, and especially with the world we live in today, they think you can't joke about everything anymore. That's now mm. it's become more of a the general theme that it's uh, people are going to get offended. But if it's something I've lived through and the experience you've just spoken about that we shared and if in any way it helped you when I discussed that openly, it means you're not alone almost. Mm. So people do feel alone in life. And it, it's somebody like me being a global superstar. But you, I don't know how you managed to get me on the booking of this gig. Uh, you know, they can think, oh, actually, Paul, Paul's human. or Because you almost not human when you're working in the public eye which is why mm. people get tweet you get tweeted on like you're not even human you're you're slightly different i'm not saying my level of fame is that but if you look at the bigger superstars of, of the world we can just say or write anything we want about them will smith could be a prime example interestingly speech at the oscars when he spoke about um well people can say anything about me but i'm not justifying what he did after this is after the slap but mm-hmm. Obviously, it's affected him. We don't know the backstory, but that's the first time we saw him almost be human. Unfortunately, in the wrong way, but he mm, was yeah. human nonetheless. Is that, have you have you always been someone that sort of sort of joked around or been funny when you were younger, or, or used humour in those kind of situations? Was that always kind of part of your life? Yeah, yeah, I've kind of um, looked at certain areas of life and. It's, prime example is what we're living through now. I'm not sure when this is broadcast, but um, people are queuing for five miles <laughs> yeah. for 18 to 30 hours to see a coffin. Now, I'm not, I'm not negating the fact that a human being has been lost here, but people are queuing for 30 hours. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's funny. In itself, and I've got I got a message this morning saying, "Paul, why why don't you go to the queue and do stand up comedy to people in the queue?" Oh my god! And boost morale. (laughs) (laughs) And this is a message I got literally before we recorded, and I felt like messaging this twat and saying, "Mate, what you? This is if it's a funeral, and I'm supposed to go make people." And I've had those messages. I've had people say, "Look, Paul, uh, I'd like to book you for." Unfortunately, we lost a friend or someone close to us, and uh, he was a big fan of yours. Can you come perform at the funeral? Wow. And I've messaged back and said, look, mate, I don't think it's appropriate. He might have been a big fan of mine, but I don't think this is going to work. Uh-huh. And then after the funeral, they're like, actually, yeah, you were right. It wouldn't have worked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, imagine I took, the, <laughs> I took the booking and I'm there. <laughs> yeah. I'm just doing, you know, dick jokes and shit. Yeah. I was about to say, what material yeah. do you do at a funeral? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm roasting the guy who's being, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're roasting him before the cremation. It's not appropriate. <laughs> it's just, but people think, and but jokes, as you say, it's all about timing, isn't it? You don't. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping people will joke about me after I've left this earth. You know what I mean? Because that's the legacy I wanted to leave: is keep people happy and, and smiling and laughing, even though I don't do it myself. 
There will be there will be jokes about um at some point. You're right. Uh, with and like a period of time sometimes makes things more palatable to joke about. So there will be jokes about probably the queue and the funeral and stuff. But maybe months down the line, maybe maybe next year, you know, around the coronation. I don't know. But there will be at some point. But I think you're right. It's timing. It's raw now. It's too raw. Well, I did it on. I did it last weekend at a club. I, I normally go to a club to try new stuff before touring, and I said um, it was a sold out room in central London, and I said. I was going to cancel this gig out of respect. You know, everyone was cancelling. And I asked the promoter, how many of you guys have requested the cancellation of your tickets? And obviously the room is sold out. It's packed. Mm. Uh, I'd just call them a lot of hypocritical bastards because none <laughs> of them cancelled their tickets for a refund. So I couldn't cancel the gig. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on. It's just, it's a very strange one. It's it's kind of like we're living back in Elizabethan or Victorian. Mm. It feels like that back in. This is kind of how we conducted ourselves back then. You know, this is a woman whose resolute was to carry on and work and the ethic that up until her last couple of days of life, and and yet we're canceling people's cancer appointments on Monday. Yeah, yeah. That's what she would have wanted. Really, is that what she would have wanted? I don't. I didn't know the woman. I'm not professing to know how she thought but from what i understood of her persona being portrayed in the media is that something she would not have wanted and it's an almost an insult to the woman yeah you've had every single like royal expert has come on tv and said well she was she was all about carrying on that was her thing and now we've got center parks locking people in their cabins on monday (laughs) it it has gone a bit i get i do get that we are in we're in a strange time we've never been through this before it's all a bit weird we don't know how to act but things have gone a bit Mad. I mean, when you got Shrek's Adventure tweeting that they're closing their rides on Monday, I don't. That, that oh, is no, ri- not that's, Shrek's Adventures. Like, ri- oh, I mean, fucking. Now that's just too, <laughs> too far. far. It's too far. But yeah. it is. It is. I think as humans, sometimes we do sometimes not quite know how to act in situations like this before. Maybe not had it before. We just we, we go a bit mad sometimes. And I, and again, that's not. I'm not. It's no disrespect to anyone that is in the queue or has gone to the queue. Like, if you want to do that, that's totally cool. But like. I don't know. Maybe it's a social media thing. People don't want to be seen to be doing being disrespectful, but we all sort of don't quite know how to behave in this moment. It's like there's no rule book on what to do when the monarch dies. It's just a bit... I've, I'm finding the whole thing weird. Well, the rule book... Yes, this is what happened to, to her, the king. Um, and it's probably not... That's not having an iOS update since then, is it? Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> yeah. more near, and this is going back seventy odd years here. So um, there has been changes in, you know, she's lived thirty percent of America's history. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, that's mind. bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, so she's lived through. She's like our Forrest Gump, isn't she? <laughs> and that's how she'd want to be remembered. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm going to get tweets and uh, <laughs> it's it's a strange you know obviously when Diana um, died or some people may say murdered uh, you know <laughs> conspiracy theorists but um, it, it was a, it also but that we're going back to when was that 97 yeah. 97 but a very different set of circumstances so um yeah it'd be interesting because prince charles isn't that young either so you know they're saying every 70 odd years but he's in his yeah. mid 70s now so 
We could be doing this all again in 10 years' time. <laughs> another queue. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, Giles. I know, it. I know. You've Someone had to, though. <laughs> the Q2, the return. The return of the Q. The Q2, yeah. <laughs> We're going to make a film about the Q. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, you've got time to actually get some Q um, kind of jokes sorted. I think, you know, you've got some material you can work on till you know, you've got some time and space to, <laughs> you... to come up with some stuff. I used to do material about, you know, but British people love queuing. But yeah. this is all time taking the piss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is next level. This is, there yeah. a queue there? Let's get in it. <laughs> it's literally five miles long. Five mile queue. Queues give me anxiety anyway. People, imagine someone just jumps to the front of that queue. And my friend was asking, what about disabled people, people in wheelchairs? Do they have to get to the back of that queue or do they get to the front? Yeah, don't know. You know what would be question. a good video is if you went there in a wheelchair and got to the front and then just got up and walked through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, this, is, this has made me walk again. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Liz. Oh, man. Is, I, I, I've, this might be disrespectful. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I was thinking, like, would, would I ever get... Who would I get in a queue like that for? Is there any one person or celebrity? Hopefully it would be me, Jim. It would probably be you. Yeah. Apart from you, obviously, Paul. <laughs> we're going to do this podcast. If I had to die tomorrow, I hope you get in a five-mile queue. If you don't get in a five-mile queue for me, Jim, and cancel your doctor's appointment on the funeral, I'm going to be very insulted by that. Even, even okay. if it's a life-saving procedure you need, you cancel yeah. that life-saving procedure. No, I will. Procedure. Out of space. Yeah. And even if there's not a five-mile queue, I will stand five miles away from where the funeral is. It's- just to replicate the feeling. And if my funeral's five miles away from me, walk to the funeral. <laughs> walk yeah. To it, yeah. Yeah. Don't get attacked. Slowly. Slowly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's all a bit it's all a bit weird. It's just all a bit weird. But and there is no answer, I don't think, to who I would get yeah, who would you do? Well it's int- Sorry, Paul, I was going to say, it's funny, you saying back Diana, obviously we didn't have social media then either, and then you've got this blanket social media cover, the media as well, 24-hour news. I don't even know if we had 24-hour news in 97. We might have done, I don't know. But There was rolling news at the time, because I heard yeah, it in the morning, yeah. Yeah, so, but like, it's just like, and I, I sort of mentioned to Jimmy, I'm saying, so, I mean, the media company's probably quite pleased, because, you know, it's lots of content. Um and they're driven by content, aren't they? So, you know, it's, it's probably quite... An, I mean, I'm not saying they're pleased, but, like, it's it's great. They've got loads of stuff to talk about for Well, they've got loads of stuff to talk about, yeah. And um, everything's all sorted now. I didn't realise yeah. that once it's happened, I, know, yeah. I didn't realise the war in Ukraine uh, had stopped. I didn't realise that the energy crisis and the cost of living crisis had diminished all of a sudden. I didn't realise all that had finished because yeah. there's nothing else on the news anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's great. What a week it's been. I know. It's an absolute miracle. It's just almost like everything's been sorted. Yeah. And as you say, like, we're going back to the 70s earlier on, you, um, it it was the winter of discontent. Mm. Remember, were you too young to remember that? Well, I I was born in 77. 77. Yeah. We were young then, so I was 74. Yeah. But, uh, you just remember it being quite depressing and um, interest rates had hit an all-time high and people getting houses repossessed. And you, you kind of think as time moves on, they work out how to run things. Like we lived through a pandemic and you thought, you know what? I can't believe they lived through the Great Plague or oh, what? these people are primitive compared to us. We're advanced human beings. 
imagine living amongst those Neanderthals and then this turns up and we're amongst these Neanderthals. We have barely evolved. You think you couldn't have predicted, you do, we have these experts who, and, and, and look at the country we're in, the state of the country we're in now. And I say that, coming from my people, well, if you don't like it, mate, go back to your own country. <laughs> <laughs> so even when I comment on it, it's like being back in the 70s. Yeah, because I, I think that I think the exact same thing. Like I think I think I think. Well, go back to my. Uh... No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you... no. I <laughs> I think I'm an optimist. Like I think I am. I might be on the cusp, but I think I am. But like I do think the same thing. Like, like wh- what is the point of life if not to like evolve and get better and improve and all that? And but we are definitely in a space like right now in this in this time. What September 2022, where it does feel like we have gone back in time a little bit. Mm. Why do we think that is, is that is that like a political thing that could have been driven by by poli, poli, politicians and policies that want to sort of drag us back a bit to the seventies? Is that social media? Why do we think we've? I mean, God, that's a big. Sorry, that's a very big question for this podcast. Well, <laughs> we've also got a prime minister who's desperate to be Margaret Thatcher as well. So we, you know, we're kind of being curtailed into that era. But is it as simple as that? That like it's basically the, the leaders taking us back, or is it that as humans we haven't evolved as much as we think we have? Just because technology has, we actually haven't, and we're very similar beings. Or is it technology has evolved too much? And it's too quick for us, and there's you know too many distractions. I don't know. I've thrown a lot of words out there, haven't I? A lot of words there. Yeah, I mean that Liz Truss is. Um, you almost you can't make the name up, can you? That <laughs> <laughs> that pincher who brought down Parliament by pinching asses. It's almost like their character. If we wrote a sitcom together, and I said, uh, "There's a guy called Pincher, and he pinches people's asses," and we say, "No, it's not going to work." Yeah, <laughs> drop that. Don't, don't say the obvious. And then, oh, we've got a prime minister. Her name's Truss. Like the girl country has to trust her, but she can't spell Elizabeth. You know, <laughs> well, that's too obvious, mate. But yeah. there's a video emerged from when she was a teenager saying she doesn't believe in the world, you know, the royal family, and people, mm. and then it, that went viral. People saying, "Well, she's changed. Can't people change? What should what should change now?" It's like that's quite a strong viewpoint. You don't become a royalist overnight. I don't think she was ever a royalist, and uh, and then there were all the jokes going around about how you know with Boris leaving and she taking over. But these politicians now, it's almost like everyone does everything, and. Back in the 70s, you know, Thatcher, Kinnock, and the, the real strong political characters. You think, I couldn't imagine this person doing anything else. Mm-hmm. But now everyone does everything. You know, you're an actor, you're a comedian, you're a singer, you're a dancer, you're a model. Back in those days, Sean Connery was an actor. He was James Bond, and that was it. <laughs> yeah. They were known for one thing. But now, you know, everyone is everything. Like... Uh, William Kate, for instance. Um, what's her name? She's, you know, they're doing Netflix shows and they're involved in the royal family and there's all kinds of stuff going on now. Everything is, that's what's happened with social media. This Everything is media now, isn't it, driven? Mm. Well, they've had their income squeezed a bit, so I, got, I guess they've got to yeah. do more stuff. Well, <laughs> the hundreds of millions they were getting paid for certain deals. Yeah. Maybe downsize a bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just have one wing. Then they don't need five. You, be, you just... Yeah, I'm not sure that. Do you need... Yeah. Have, have, have one butler, not three. 
I'm, I'm not sure that answered your question, Jim, but it was a bit of a rant or nothing. Well, I, to be fair, it was a very, it was a very wide-reaching question. I, I don't know. I just, I think, I think the point about doing everything is interesting because I definitely feel like that. Like I don't have one particular thing that I do, and you could look at it two ways. You could either be like, "Oh, it's really exciting. It's exciting to you could be doing a bit of everything," but in the same, on the flip side, I guess it's like it's difficult to know where to sort of like put your efforts into and process things and, and where to concentrate. And then you feel like you're not really making progress in any. You're just sort of making tiny gains or even the opposite in lots of different places. So, but that does feel like a um, yeah, sort of modern thing that you have to do if you are in the. I'd like to say entertainment industry, almost any industry really. You have to sort of be a bit of everything, and it's it's it's, it's quite tiring. Didn't um, didn't they have a podcast recently? Who William? Mc- uh, oh, what well, um, Harry Meghan? Harry Meghan had a podcast. Yeah, I'm going to Google that. Yeah, quite possibly. Well, William and Kate. Yeah, I said earlier, but they don't do as much. But obviously, Harry and Meghan. But yeah. William and Kate tend to keep to just doing the royal family stuff, don't they? They're keeping the protocol. Yeah. They're tying the line. Yeah. They're not going to jump off piste. And they're going to just kind of, yeah, they're, they're kind of keeping with their proper, like, that's their religion. Yeah. They're not doing anything else. It's weird with um, them coming back to meet the royal families of Harry and Meghan after doing an Oprah interview. <laughs> That must be quite <laughs> tense in that household. Yeah, I can imagine. That, yeah, they've. I think he's got a new book coming out yeah. as well, which is. Well, apparently, there's nothing in it. That's. Really... Oh, okay. Well, no words. It's just <laughs> blank pages. <laughs> you should get him on the blank podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, perfect, <laughs> ideal, perfect booking. I think they have got a podcast. Yeah, they have. I think that they've is something Spotify that they've, they've exclusive. done. Oh, okay. There you go. See. So it's them and Joe Rogan, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What an episode that would be. Because <laughs> you talk about so many different things on your podcast, don't you? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we tend to go all over the place with regards to the themes that come up. Because obviously the idea is, is kind of blank moments, which is kind of, sort of talking about difficult moments mm-hmm. that you have to negotiate in life, which we all kind of go through. And various different things come up, but I would say probably the most regular one that comes up is imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, is that something that you suffer from with? Um, well, once your company is registered at company's house and you're being paid for that as a living, then no. But yeah, when I started doing stand up and you didn't quite know if you were a professional stand up yet because you weren't getting paid. And then you think, well, oh, now I'm doing 10 minutes and, Am I now a professional? Am I doing 20? Once I do this first hour, am I a professional? It's once it becomes your living, I think that's when you stop having imposter syndrome. But some people kind of live with that mm. straight when that's how you earn a living. They think, well, how have I managed to forge a career in, in this industry? If, I, if I'm, if, then yeah, some people do, don't they? They, they don't consider themselves worthy enough to um, to continue in that field. Tell me about some of those early gigs. What were they like? Uh, they were tough. You know, but I mean, we're going back to, I started at mid-98, 99-ish. 
and uh, diversity has changed a lot in the entertainment business. And you know, there are a handful of, of of Asian comics, and there was a black circuit, so the circuits didn't really mix. And going to a comedy club, and I'd be the only non-white person in the room. Now, times have changed slightly, and even diversity within the entertainment field has changed. When I did Live at the Apollo at that point, there'd never been a British Indian comedian on that show. And that was 2012. So we wow. just like, mm. you know, and, and then hosting stand-up for the week on Channel 4, there'd never been somebody like me that looked like me doing something like a mainstream show. So um, there weren't many opportunities back that I remember comics that are now household names back they would get called for these meetings or you know for hosting or being on a show and you just wouldn't get the call you just wouldn't be asked to even meet for it so um in a way it's become better now but there's much more you know lots more people are involved in it and there are outlets like the internet as you can build up an audience that way uh there was no youtube back then that was around 2005 that turned up so um what we're talking about Started before that was like my MySpace came after that actually. So YouTube was the first, and then you'd be able to post your YouTube videos on MySpace yeah. as a video link. Mm. Um, so you just had to go around the clubs, and I kind of did it the old-fashioned way, where I built up an audience by just performing in small rooms and clubs, and then organically built up a live following. And then people thought, oh, right, year to year, whenever I did a tour, we'll go back and invest our evening in this guy and hopefully have a good time. And that's essentially what you do. But it took a while, you know. So in a way, you think, oh, I should have started earlier. Or was I a bit before my time? Mm. But I never really saw myself like that because when I, growing up in England in the 70s and 80s, you just consider yourself a Londoner and a Brit. But then when it came to the media, that's not how they they saw it. You were kind of put in a box because they need to know what, you know, like when Love Island has a, a, a few years ago, they had an Indian girl on there. And that was stuff, oh my God, it's the first ever Indian girl on Love Island. You know, stuff like that is still being mentioned. You know, we're not going to have, uh, we still haven't quite broken through in the, in, in like in Hollywood actors, isn't it? That I can't really name many who are big Hollywood actors who are of Indian descent or anything. Seems to be black and white still. Yeah. Not I much think... multiculturalism with with different diverse sectors of society. It's slightly changing now, but um you know, going back to when I started with Giles's original question, it was quite different back then. Yeah, does it does it it feels sometimes like obviously things have improved and we've moved forward. But like, I think sometimes maybe not as much as people think. And there's a lot of like backslapping and congratulatory, like, oh, aren't we so more diverse now? But as you just said with those examples, I actually think when we haven't quite come as far as people think we have. And there's a little bit like, oh, mm-hmm. sit back, arms folded. Well, we're all diverse now. This is great. But actually, I think there's still quite mm-hmm. a long way to go. Yeah, exactly. I think there is. I did a corporate and um, it's slightly diverse audience slightly more than it was back in the early 2000s for instance and uh, there was a table full of asians and i i said a big round of applause for my my family we're in tonight all the white people applauded i said no they're not my family i don't even know them but it's a bit out of order that you're clapping i'm just joking <laughs> they've got nothing to do with me and they were laughing you know because everyone thinks we all know each other so they just a silly joke on that really and then hr 
got involved and said, um, could you ask the comedian not to say things like that, please, and not address the Asian people in the room? <gasps> and the tour manager said, what, 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 how come? Did they, were they offended? No, they, they're fine. They were, but I'm offended on their behalf. <laughs> oh, my word. So, um, could you rein it in a bit, please? So I wasn't allowed to then address the uh, <laughs> people <laughs> of a similar background to me, because in case the white people got offended on their behalf. And that's, that's today. Not, we're not going back. I do a routine similar to that in my current tour show. Um, it was almost the same thing I went through in, in previous shows. Uh, we're offended on behalf of that person who lived through that experience as that, like me being of uh, being a gay comic and then taking the mick out of gay people in the room. And it's like, oh, you can't do that, man. Why not? Well, I'm offended on behalf of those gay people. You might be gay and they might be gay, but you can't say that about them. And and they, I, I'm offended on their behalf, even though they were laughing. I booked a stripper. Uh, and then, then, the, then the booker said, well, did you not see, you saw Paul's videos, didn't you? Like his stuff. On, yeah, we saw it. We didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, like I'm going to book a stripper. It's not, it's not the best example. If I booked a stripper for Giles's birthday party, which I know he'd quite want, I'd appreciate. It, thanks. <laughs> appreciate. And all of a sudden, she got he or she or whoever I booked for you, a gorilla gram, got naked, and what did you get naked for? And Giles is really offended. But you saw the video where I get naked in, in the strip tease. Yeah, but you didn't do it like that. You did it slightly different. And Giles is really triggered now by you getting naked. So um, we're like to our money back. And I was just like, but I need the gig. I, I'm, I'm desperate for money. And then Jim, Jim would be like, well, I did a good thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's this or the keys I'll outside do, Westminster. It's, I mean, it's, it's true. It almost goes, almost maybe goes back to like the, the queue thing as well. It's like people have to be, I don't, I don't know if it comes from a place of like trying to be good or trying to show compassion, but it's like, it's, it's, it's too much. It's like, you don't, why not just ask the people that are involved? Why do you have to sort of get involved in that thing? But a lot of lot of people feel like they maybe have to be seen to be getting involved and be seen to be helping out, be seen to be doing the right thing. Well, people are saying there's a great atmosphere in the queue. Everyone's really enjoying themselves. It's very jovial. People are having a real good... You know, a friend of mine, his friend is in the queue. He went, got there this morning at 6am. I said, everyone's in a great, great mood. <laughs> this is... <laughs> This is not a party, but people seem it's a funeral. And people are like, they're all, you know, obviously you, you, they say, well, you celebrate the life. But that's not what's going on here. And it's like, as you say, people want to be involved. It's like they almost feel as if they're a part of her life now. Mm. Being there at this monumentous historic moment, like being there. But I don't know, man. It's, it's a strip. They almost don't know. They wouldn't even queue up that long, as I was saying earlier with Jim. For their own family members. Yeah. <laughs> they don't even talk to some of their own family, yet they're in this 15-mile queue. Five miles, they're going to get pulled up on that. <laughs> it, will, it will be at some point. At some point, it will be 15, yeah. so don't worry. I think yeah, by tomorrow, it'll be 15 yeah. miles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it will be 15. You know, it's just a bank holiday. You know, we've got a bank holiday. It's just... It, I, um, yeah. uh, food banks are closing on Monday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. that. I saw that. I saw some things about that. That's fucking hell just yeah don't know i was less a bit speechless by that 
because yeah, uh, the homeless don't eat on bank holiday. Yeah, famously, they'll be all right for a day. They're all queuing up. It is. It is mad. It is. It is. Yeah, we've all, everyone's gone lost their minds a little bit and gone a bit too. It, but I don't know if it's like with the queue thing. Is it because, as you say, people like, yeah, want to almost want to be maybe part of the story, part of her life, or, 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 or maybe just maybe sort of like part of like this. They we know it's a monumental like week. This is a mad week. We know it is for the country. Or it's whatever you think. Like obviously, it's it's a big story. It's crazy. It's mad. You, you only live through this, about maybe once in your life. Obviously, it depends how Prince Charles gets on. So is it just like, is it like this yearning of this, like human yearning of just wanting to be involved? I need to be involved in some way. So I feel I'm joining the queue. Weren't they practicing this, they're having run-throughs for quite a number of years. So they were prepared for this moment. This is the thing is uh, in the news that they were, yeah. they were practicing the moment this happens. And you almost knew, remember when they said she was, she was ill and she'd been taken to hospital, but they were filming the gates now that yeah. you, you knew it was it happened, but they just weren't announcing it yet. It was quite obvious because that hasn't happened before the way they were doing it. But um, this is a they, yeah, they've been prepping for this for years, so they kind of knew what was going to happen. Uh, but I didn't anticipate the queue thing. Even I didn't think the country would have gone like you wake up in the morning and you're everyone's gone mad, mate. Mm. Why am I not? Why do I not feel I need to be in that queue? Am I the mad one here? I was thinking that. Yeah. Am I insensitive by not wanting to be in this queue? And everyone else, no, you're Paul, you, I'm insensitive bastard. Why are you not getting in the queue? Are you, you don't, if you don't like it here, leave. Just something. Like, it's weird. It's like, and then people are crying and they, and the news and people are just inconsolable, aren't they now? Um, they're praying people I've seen people praying in front of the, in the casket yeah a lot of people have found religion the last few yeah and the religion is the queen she will become a yeah, yeah in, a, in a way yeah yeah in a way yeah. kind of is. Um, uh, Dan Wooten's obviously found religion by doing his little prayer video outside the gates <laughs> as well oh my Dan, Dan God, Wooten is... you know invite him to my funeral because he'll get me great publicity for that people <laughs> he'll be behind me in the queue five <laughs> <laughs> that was a great video, wasn't it, Dan? Wooden. The best one when you see someone reversed it and were like shocking. Yeah, the first one. Yeah. Dan oh, that was amazing. <laughs> and what was even better was the outrage. Like someone would put a tweet like, "Oh my god, I can't believe what someone's done." They reversed the video to show him like stealing flowers. Oh my god! But apparently, you can't film now if you get to the front in this because she's been moved, hasn't she? In, in the Abbey, what front of the queue? Well, yeah, I think when you get into the um, the chapel. Yeah, I don't know. Where is she now at the moment, as we speak? Westminster Abbey? Because she's travelling more than I am. And I'm... She's doing a tour. She's doing a tour, basically, a tour. I think, is she? No, yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm going to be insensitive here. Who this tour? She's doing more venues than I'm doing dead than I did alive. <laughs> uh, Paul Chadley dead tour. <laughs> There's uh, yeah, no one would ever queue five miles for me. There's um, <laughs> there's definitely a um, I had to be I had to be like cajoling people into my venue in Edinburgh. I don't know, I'm queuing five miles around the corner. Um, <laughs> Edinburgh is five miles. Edinburgh is five. Imagine yeah. the flowering opportunities in that queue, though. My God. Um, <laughs> um, there's there is a what you're saying a minute ago is quite interesting because there is a point about like how we all 
no matter what you think about this kind of thing, and maybe you can relate that to other big stories. Diana obviously was, a, was I remember that was a huge one, and, and other famous people dying and or sad stories, whatever. <coughs> Everybody kind of reacts differently. Everyone has their own process of, of grieving, or maybe if you don't feel like grieving, showing respect or getting a, you know, going through this big thing. Everyone has their own different way of doing it, but it does feel sometimes like, because I, I, I had that same feeling, like, should I be sort of doing something more? Should I be not doing? Should I be stopping? Should I be doing stuff? Should I join the queue? Like, what should I be doing? I don't necessarily feel that urge. I know other people do, but like, I think we all just process things differently and that's okay. Rather than being cajoled into doing something like we all just, so somebody, it might be just watching the news and having a five minute moment to themselves or something. We all do it differently. Yeah. We weren't, I don't know about you, Jim, but I wasn't related to the royal family. (laughs) But um, it's that when it happened, the whole everything was obviously, and to, to, to this point, it's media coverage. But am I now not allowed to post any comedy content on social mm-hmm. media because of this? Is it disrespectful? You know, um, and I, I did. I put that video up online when I call the audience insensitive for not cancelling their tickets and then I did a follow-up and saying I hope they find the person that is responsible for the Queen going and um, there should be a police investigation I think it was Putin, stuff like that and the audience were laughing at that right, and um, on TikTok people saying, well of course your audience is going to laugh at that so they thought I was just performing in front of non-white people who were laughing at these jokes but it was just a normal comedy club audience but but you're probably white but it's this this assumption on online is is, Mm -hmm. people things get taken well out of context so uh, how do we react to essentially a famous person dying how do you how how do you react to you know your favorite singer when when they died it's it's a similar one but obviously the funeral wouldn't be as big as the head of the monarchy and there's been conversations about keeping a monarchy anymore, but if anything, it's become stronger due to this. I, I, yeah, mm. I, I think the five mile queue probably shows that. Um, the five mile queue definitely shows. Just, um, and on Monday, the taxis in London have decided not to because on bank holidays the rate goes up, but they're going to keep it at the rate. Oh, that's good of them. It's really not uh, held. Yeah, LBC this morning. <laughs> we we're going to keep our rates down, mate, because it's uh, really tough out there. The cost of living crisis. Well, yeah, the cost of living crisis. People yeah. need to work. <laughs> yeah, people need to work. That's gone now. Now that's that's over. Oh, oh that's sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, come sorry, on. that's been fixed. Keep up. <laughs> yeah, but I need to call my electricity company because it's still gone up. My rates are still up over five hundred percent. So yeah, sure. maybe mine hasn't been adjusted. I yet. think you're the only person. I think everyone else is yeah, fine, but yeah. you're like last on the list. So yeah, you know, if you can afford to stand in the queue, well, they've seen how well you're <laughs> if doing. You can afford to stand in... Yeah, what are they? Oh, we've really we've spent so much time on this queue. What have people have actually taken time off work? I guess, or or be able to afford to take time off work? The and... whole country is ground to a halt. Yeah, theatre shows have been cancelled. Um, they've been moved. Club, but then it's. People say it's going to be hard to get into central London, but um, yeah, big productions of my friend Doug Stanhope. I had him on my podcast, he's doing Hammersmith on Sunday, the Apollo, and then Monday he's doing Kentish Town. And uh, the gigs cancelled on the Monday. 
he's come from America for this. Oh, oh man. Yeah. I think it's been moved to the Tuesday, but I'm not sure. But it's, um, yeah, it's like, I don't think his audience are royalists, and it's in Kentish Town. Yeah. So, but that's not the only production. There's lots of Sainsbury's, you know, all the supermarkets. I don't know if it's Sunday hours. I don't know. That's a good point. The opening hours. I was about to Google that, but you know, that's that's a Google too far. <laughs> yeah. That's too much, Jim. Close that tab. I was wondering, in honour of not joining the queue, I could just join any queue. Yeah. So just like go to the supermarket and join a queue. Yeah. Um, and that, that'd be my way of showing my respects. Yeah. Just get into a queue and just, yeah. well, and just say that I'm getting a miss queue instead of yeah. five mile queue. Or just keep stay in the queue, like yeah. just. Well, the five mile queue, you know, you got to go through like a, an airport security. Mm-hmm. No liquids, no cameras, no phones, or something. I think you, or they they check because people are you know doing a Dan Wooden when they get to the front. They're doing a bit of a selfie. Yeah, Dan Wooden's messed it up for everyone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's ruined it for everybody again. <laughs> Not for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> Have you had Dan Wooden to... on the podcast? Not yet, no, I don't. Um, but if he's listening, <laughs> I'm not sure that you're sort of booking. I think he's maybe we're not. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we're in his wheelhouse, unfortunately. Yeah. Going back to your comedy, though, Paul, like you're obviously got a new show coming up, a new tour and stuff. How do you go about? What's what's kind of your process, I guess, of putting together a, a you know an hour show or a, you know a tour show? How does it sort of start? How does it germinate? Well, just like ideas you have over that year, and uh, this is a tour I toured on but two legs, and then I took a break on it this year, cancelled it and postponed the dates to later on this year. Oh, okay. So the, this is a chunk that um, earlier, but I've kind of rewritten it. So every time, obviously, with recent events and the world changing so quickly, I don't think we lived in a time where um, history has been so quick to change, but maybe because we notice it more with, as you say, rolling news and the internet. Mm-hmm. And, and, and things move so fast. Um, the uh, I hate the term unprecedented times because everything is an yeah, unprecedented time now. <laughs> oh, the Queen are unprecedented. Oh, the, oh unpre- everything's unprecedented. Yeah. Oh, Paul's on this podcast, unprecedented. <laughs> At some point, it just becomes precedented, doesn't it? It just becomes precedented. Yeah, everything's yeah. precedented. <laughs> the only thing unprecedented was um, Donald Trump. He was unprecedented, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, nice. Oh, sorry, it's unprecedented. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah you just get all the material together, becomes one big kind of mush pit of jokes, and then give it a structure. Go to the clubs, write the bits, and get them together like a jigsaw and an amalgamation of material, and then. On the tour, I do like half an hour in the first half, an hour and 20 in the second half. It's like a full tour. I do the full show. So it tends to expand over time. Um, so I do tend to rewrite as I go along. I don't keep it word for word. From the, It almost becomes a new tour by the end, Yeah, which is not a good way of working because then you could potentially have another tour ready. Yeah, so then I've got to almost start from scratch afterwards, which is... Um, I did quite a long time, so. But nowadays, tours are generally like an hour max. The Edinburgh model mm. and you... Netflix shows and stuff—they're normally an hour long. Or, or, or my Amazon Prime special, you know, they 
they say 60 minutes is the um the attention span cutoff almost for a special yeah um do you have a do you have a sort of right in terms of writing and stuff when you've got all these ideas do you have a sort of writing process in terms of you sit down and write stuff or you don't you make notes or you give yourself so many hours a day to write and how does it sort of physically come out yeah i kind of wish i had that uh, sometimes i could sit i do you know just when it comes to me i just put it in my notes or something or write it down on a piece of paper and then and then i can't remember what i what that word meant and then you've lost a great movie think oh that was the best routine i never remembered and essentially what this podcast is blank <laughs> your mind goes blank and uh, you're like oh what that was a great joke i just came up with and i never wrote it down or i wrote down you know giles or something no what, what did i think about giles though you never fully write down and then essentially i'll just have headers to my jokes i don't write out the full show so um I'm not a conventional sit down right unless I'm doing a TV show. So when I did you know, the TV specials or something, then you'd have to the the, the material would go through the lawyers, hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Get approved. So, but now I think, well, when I did my last special anyway, you'd record the last preview and it would get sent to the lawyers, and they'd say you can, you can't say this, or you can do it on the record, but you just couldn't release it. So. But then when you do now global special, because back in the day I did a few DVDs and they were generally released around England. But now when you do an Amazon or a Netflix or whatever special, even I suppose maybe you could get around it with YouTube that people do, but you can't recite lyrics from songs. When I did the Michael Jackson material, my last special, you can't defame the dead in Germany, but you can in the UK, oh. the different defamation laws. Um, when I, talked about diversity within the Taliban and terrorist organizations. The Middle East got offended, so that whole chunk got cut out. Yeah. You know, so who approves what in different countries, in different territories? So your country start getting chiseled down, you know, and when it was released in India, you know, that I was quite raw my material and I swear in Punjabi and different they never I don't know if I've ever ever seen that before, but whoever watch the specials out, you know, we can't, it's too far for this audience. You know, it's a bit, they were afraid of the fence now. So it's interesting, where is comedy going now? That, I mean, basically sounds like you end up with just like a sort of five minute special. You know, like that sounds yeah. like all the material gets, gets well, that, cut. That's, yeah, that's why I do two hours. Because <laughs> by the time it goes to a special, it'd be about 20 minutes. Yeah. Was, has there been any material over that sort of process that you've like really fought for? You were like, no, no, no I had this has to be in in one way or another. Well, now I just try not to do that kind of, you know, like you kind of work out what you put. It. Like, let's say I was to do a joke about an ongoing court case, you just wouldn't be able to ever release that because it's an ongoing court case, even with talk radio you couldn't you know like lbc or i'm not sure about the podcast rules though because you do tend to hear people giving live commentary so they tend to fall into this mm. little loophole um, and then people make online videos but they can get taken down if they're flagged and um but it's i'm more concerned about the line of offense now of what people are getting offended by like i put a i think i put a video up of a gorilla or something online or something i'd said something about an ad and then it said this is uh 
animalist or something on Facebook and you've been given a warning. So they took the video down. Or I think I did a voiceover for a gorilla or something, some kind of, and it was offensive to another species, they said. So we're taking down your video and giving you a warning because you're being, you're offending other species on the planet. Well, that was on YouTube. I think that was a Facebook um, takedown. That was a Facebook one. Yeah, they took the ban from Facebook and removed against community guidelines. Yeah, that, I never know those things are like automated or it's actually someone in an office actually sort of uh, manually looking at it. Presses the report button and then I think somebody might watch that. Now, I did a a spoof video on TikTok and uh, well, I put it on my Instagram where I film an Irish comic friend of mine and just start filming a guy in the street and he gets really angry and starts chasing me. And uh, it was just a spoof on people just filming idiot, you know, people filming people in the street, you know, these ridiculous videos. Yeah. And then they'll get threatened. I think, oh, this is great. And we just did a spoof of that. And it got taken down on TikTok for being um aggressive behavior. When it was a video about aggressive yeah, behavior, yeah. which is still available. <laughs> and they're still all out there. But mine was taken down. I do. So, I mean, uh, I mean. To be fair, this soon things getting taken down. This episode is probably going to get cancelled canceled by Prince Charles well, anyway. I'm on so it. So this, this episode is never going to see the light of day anyway, so, uh, because we've offended the queue. Um, I do. <laughs> I, 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 I do agree about um, sort of the the level of offensiveness and stuff, or, or sorry, the level of offendedness. Is that is that a word? I think it, level of offence. Yeah, level of offence. Yeah, yeah. Because like I don't. I don't do very offensive comedy. That's not my thing. It wouldn't sit with my personality, so I don't sort of do it. But, like, I do think if you get into a world where, like, the examples you've been said to get taken down and stuff, you do probably end up at some point, 5, 10, 15 years down the line, with everything, every, all output, all comedy, all entertainment kind of being the same, but a bit homogenized because you've sort of shaved off the edges of all this other stuff. And I think that, in a way, even as someone that doesn't do offensive comedy, that's quite a sort of boring future, possibly, to end up in. Well, what... What kind of comedy do you do? Very uh, family-friendly. Gen- I call it gentle comedy. But then a friend of mine said, don't call it that, because that makes it sound like it's not very good. So um, <laughs> just like... Just, uh, so I stopped, it's gentle comedy. Don't my come. Run, I stopped calling it gentle comedy. Um, uh, well, just, that's a bit... That's, I'm offended by that, because my tour is called Family-Friendly Comedian. Right, okay. And you've just said you find that not a good comedy. And that's <laughs> My friend said that. <laughs> Fortunately, he's quite an experienced comedian, so um, I don't know. I just, but I just, I just know it doesn't. It just, it doesn't suit who I am. It's not who I am, so I don't sort of do it. But I think it's very difficult, Jim, to describe you. People say, "What's your comedy like?" And like you're mm. trying to. It's very difficult to describe yourself as a comedian. Yeah. So how would you describe yourself then? I don't. I don't, I don't really know. Friendly, com- friendly comedy is that a thing? Well, from what we've just discussed, some people would disagree. Yeah. Uh, we've joked about some things that would never be in the mainstream, that would never be allowed to be broadcast on good this morning or something. Yeah. You know, if we did that on the news and they asked us a question, they just wouldn't put it up. Yeah. Our views on the queue. Yeah, we yeah. Council for our queue, and then all of a sudden Jim daily council for his views on the queue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he was such a gentle comedian. The most offensive comedian in the UK. <laughs> He was so <laughs> gentle, and then it's you know. true. Though. Then he said that, 
I knew he was a disgusting, depraved bastard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I probably, I mean, I probably sell way more tickets to future shows, actually. So maybe I should go down that line. But you're right. It's like, where is the bar? Like, everyone's bar is different. Exactly. You know, even when you're being friendly and you're doing, you're, you know, people go, like I said, Jim, I'm quite offended by what you've said about some, you know, it's, it, it's just topics. But I'm not here. When I watch a comic, and uh, as I did when I was younger, I, I, I didn't get offended by what they were talking about. Right? Everyone's going to have different opinions. But all of a sudden, if you're offended by that one Jim's take on that one subject, you're you're the problem, not Jim, because we're all multi-layered and we have different opinions on different things. I'm not here to agree with your opinions. Jim's a comedian. Who, if he made me laugh by his differing opinion to my opinion, that's what I'm there for. Yeah. I'm, I don't have to agree with you about the cue, but it's funny. And that's yeah. what you need. That's the point is the funny. But no one talks about the funny anymore. It's about the opinion of the comedian and the viewpoint. We're not politicians. If I'm doing that at Parliament, fair enough. But I'm doing it on a stage in the setting of a comedy show. So um, when you're doing that. But the, no, that's now become distilled. And uh, and the lines are very blurred now. Yeah, completely agree. What kind of comedy do you do, Giles? I don't. I'm a writer, so I I, I don't I don't like to be in front of people often. It's about <laughs> the only time I talk to people, to be honest. <laughs> well, your blank book has got no no words in it. No, I was. <laughs> you know, I I helped sort of you know colour in the front cover. <laughs> yeah. It's a great. It is a great front cover though. That that, that pencil reminds me of. Uh, School pencils in the seventies. Yeah, yeah, that was Charles's yeah, idea. Yeah. That was Charles's idea. Really? Front cover. Yeah, that. Yeah. So Did you break the pencil yourself? <laughs> no, I didn't. Unfortunately, no. Someone else more experienced did it. <laughs> but did you ever get the? Were you, were you one of those people that used to stab the rubber with a pencil as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a very seventies thing, wasn't it? Yeah. 80. Well, I say eighties because we were quite young themselves. Yeah. It's by nineteen eighty already, but. Um, how did you find uh, the 80s? In the 80s, I was talking to a, a cab driver yesterday, and he said that it was great, man. You could fill up your fridge for a tenner. Mm. Um, your times were good. And times were good. And uh, in my opinion, the music was at its best in the 80s. I'm a big 80s music fan. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, and we were, uh, I was uh, into BMXs and stuff like that. But things were good, and things were bad, but then we had the spectrum and computer technology i think oh, imagine video games getting to this point that they've got to today yeah but now i'm just too old to really enjoy it yeah but if I was, yeah like you just don't have the time anymore because when you get to this age you're like how many years have i got and i'm going to spend 15 hours you could be in a queue <laughs> yeah yeah you could be in a queue instead of playing out a video game but well, unless, if, you've yeah. got, unless you've got like a oh, what's it called, like a Switch, yeah, Nintendo DS or something, then you could you could DS. Come on, Jim, oh, Switch know. now, mate. Switch, All right, okay. Come on, get up to the. <laughs> you could multitask in theory with your five weeks in the queue. It could be well, done. they could do Pokemon in the queue. Remember that? Yeah, oh they could God. do Pokemon Go. Yeah, it's probably rife. There'd be people like doing yeah. uh, capturing Pokemon. Do you remember? But then all of a sudden, people stopped playing it because it. They worked out that it was finding your locations and where you are. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and harnessing all your data. Yeah. Oh my God, this guy's um, going to the front of the queue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's just caught a Pikachu in the <laughs> at the front. I don't even reveal my location anymore. 
because uh, there was a rapper, uh, well, there's actually a, a DJ or a musician, and it happens a lot in America where they reveal where they are, and then all of a sudden they'll they'll get attacked or murdered or or jacked for their belongings. So now, pe- because of you and you, people do stories, mm. and that you know where that person is at that time. So the hack is put the story up after you've left. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just leave. You don't have to be. People don't have to know where you are at that time. Unless, of course, you're doing a tour, then they do need to know you're there. <laughs> Why don't you <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, though. I really do appreciate you coming on the pod, and um, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, nice one, Giles. Nice one, Jim. Thanks, ma'am. Chowdhury on the Blank Podcast. What a guy. Very interesting individual. Very funny. Um, just, yeah, done so much in the comedy game as well. Great guy. And, uh, yeah, enjoyed talk- talking to him. Very much enjoyed. When you get people like that who have got a very sort of sharp wit, um, it makes you feel very good sort of making them laugh. So it was quite nice yeah. bouncing off Paul sometimes and making him laugh and being a bit cheeky. You know, it's a different vibe to maybe... Uh, some other guests we have it's it quite nice sort of sparring with them a little bit and uh, enjoyed that enjoyed that a lot so it was very nice having him on you know interesting hearing his process really interesting hearing about the stuff about the overseas markets and stuff when he's doing his specials so yeah great episode very interesting and just you know really appreciate him being on yeah absolutely yeah we've been trying to get Paul on for a while so it's really great to have him on and uh, yeah like you say great company and it was nice to sort of make him laugh now and again um you know us being um well you being a gentle comedian and me not being a comedian at all uh (laughs) so it was nice to be able to do that but do you notice as well he was was, it's obviously someone that like takes all his podcast appearances seriously because he'd done his research on our pod and on our book and stuff and i think that's really nice it shows the level of engagement from our guests that they're serious about coming on and he knew what the pod was about and the subjects we tackle and stuff so i always think that's a nice nod that this this person's sort of taking this appearance seriously absolutely he clearly does that yeah no i should have i meant to acknowledge that when we were we were talking actually and he'd like looked about our book and everything so big thanks to paul for doing that because it's not very often um, our guests give well, two hoots about, you no, know, it's well, just another podcast, time, isn't it? But so it's nice. A lot of our guests are busy, aren't they? So I think a lot of times they're exactly. popping on and maybe they haven't had time to whatever. And I think, oh, I've got to squeeze And Paul's obviously very busy as well. But it's just, uh, that was a nice little sort of thing that I noticed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's actually like really done his research on us. And that's really nice as well. So, um, so yeah, just a very, I think actually a very thoughtful guy, actually. Yeah. And I think maybe, you know, he has a certain brand of comedy. And maybe sometimes you don't actually think... I don't know. Uh, he's just clearly very intelligent, very thoughtful, and um, thinks a lot about what he's saying. And um, but on, on the bottom line, and again, he was saying this about the whole going into the sphere of like what offends people and stuff. And and he's absolutely right about stuff in comedy clubs. The bottom line is, are you funny? Do you make people laugh? And that's obviously something he's very very good at. And that's essentially what should matter, really. Mo- you know, more than more than anything. There are exceptions, of course, but. Yeah, so just a very fascinating guy and, uh, yeah. yeah, really enjoyed spending time in his company. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks, Paul, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, that's the end of the episode. Oh, obviously, if you've got to this part and you haven't heard the extra content with Paul, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast, and there is an extra few minutes for Paul, as there is with all our guests each week. So we'd love you to join the community 
over there. But otherwise, I think that's time for us to say goodbye and, and we'll see everyone again next week with another guest on the Blank Pod. You know, we're, we're, we're really rolling along now with our episodes towards the end of 2022. We're into October, nearly. October, wow, mad. Mad year. Mad, I mean, this was a whole episode on that. Mad year. Very strange. Mm. And who knows what 2023 well, I think will hold. The last hold. few years have been mad. I, oh, can it, I just want to really like, just have some like a kind Normal. of boring year. Yeah. But nothing much happens. No, I don't. I'm not even sure next year will be boring. I kind of hope it will be, but who knows? We'll see. You know, if you're a football fan at the moment, which Giles and I are, we've got the World Cup coming up next month. Which I'm is not, ridiculous. I'm not looking forward to it, to be it's honest. It's going to be weird. It's too weird. It's too it, weird. It, it's anyway, in the winter. We'll, we'll broach that subject when, we, yeah. when it happens. But, but yeah, no, it, it's, we're living through weird times. Mm. But, um, but who better to share them with than Paul Chowdhury and you? well thank you and likewise jim (laughs) right have a good week everybody uh take care of yourselves and we'll see you again next week on the blank podcast goodbye Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.